Welcome to the Converge 21 podcast preview series. What is Converge 21? Converge is a community of forward-looking ethics and compliance practitioners and leaders, and Converge 21 is where we gather and connect. You're invited to groundbreaking keynotes, fireside chats with CECOs from the world's most impactful companies, and practical workshops that will empower you to move the needle within your organization. The goal of Converge 21 is to explore emerging trends, topics, and tools that enable you to manage better ethics and compliance and drive value and impact to your overall company strategy. You will leave this conference with new resources, best practices, and actionable ideas that can put you and your compliance practice at the next level. Most importantly will be the engagement. You'll have the opportunity to engage virtually with compliance practitioners literally across the globe. This is one of the top compliance events annually and Converge 20 was a great success. I hope you will join me in attending Converge 21. We'll link to the registration and information in the show notes to this podcast. This episode, I visit with Mary Inman, partner at Constantine Cannon, LLP, and head of international whistleblower practice, who discusses whistleblower programs that foster speak up culture from the law firm perspective. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode in our preview of Converge 21. Today, I have with me Mary Enman. She's a partner at Constantine Cannon in London, and she's head of the firm's international whistleblower practice. Mary, first of all, welcome, and thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me today. Thank you so much, Tom, for having me. I'm looking forward to Converge 21. So uh, I'm always intrigued when I can speak to outside counsel about whistleblower practices, and your panel is entitled Whistleblower Programs that Foster Speak Up Culture. So what really uh, do you hope to to discuss uh, from your perspective as outside counsel around whistleblower programs? So I am there a little bit as the skunk at the picnic. Um, so I am here almost as a post-mortem to talk about what went wrong. So by the time I'm involved in a case, it means that the whistleblower reported internally to your hotline and then either didn't receive the response they wanted and went external to the federal government. So I'm hoping to bring a little bit of the reality of what it's like for my clients as whistleblowers to try and interface with the hotlines and with the internal reporting mechanisms or HR or trusted managers that they do. So one of the statistics we'll want to be exploring is that in 2020, the SEC, which has one of the most robust whistleblower reward programs, said that 84% of the whistleblowers who reported to them reported internally first. So to me, that is a great question to explore. Why is it that those people weren't heard at your organization? They certainly are trying, and they they're and that's certainly been my experience in 25 years of representing whistleblowers is they don't, as a first course, want to leave their careers um, abandon their training. They want and hope that they can stay present. And it's only when um, the news they deliver is often not appreciated and that they, they companies will often regress to the medieval, but it hasn't changed since medieval sort of shoot the messenger approach. Mary, you practice currently in London. And as I mentioned, you're the head of the international whistleblower practice. Uh, you 
just said uh, about whistleblowers who might go to the federal government. Can I expand that out to how much more challenging does it get when there are multiple jurisdictions involved? The United States, the United Kingdom, perhaps France, Spain, Germany, Central Asia. I mean, you name the geographic region where a multinational business might be located. Could you maybe uh, give some insights into how you help manage a multinational organization working in a country where there might be multiple enforcement agencies who accept whistleblower reports? It, it definitely creates a, a complicated landscape. Um, what I would say is that um, part of what my mandate in moving to our London office was just basically to educate people around the world at multinationals or even for the SEC, for instance, companies that are traded on the U.S. stock exchanges. So the Royal Bank of Scotland doesn't sound like a multinational, but the SEC has jurisdiction over it. If they're engaged in accounting fraud, then a whistleblower can bring that information to them. So I think one of the first initial hurdles is for whistleblowers to understand that you don't have to be an American and you don't have to work for an American multinational to actually participate in the programs. So I think that's really a question of signposting. I think most whistleblowers um, operating overseas have not heard of the American Whistleblower Reward Programs and may not know that they exist. So I think that's one of the first hurdles is basically getting them to be aware of it. One of the biggest hurdles in a multinational or in an overseas setting is cultural um, biases. So there's very much a view, at least from my experience in the UK, that um, Americans are seen as overly mercenary and um, as capitalism unchecked. So they think it is crazy that we pay whistleblowers for information. They say we're British. We do it because it's the right thing to do. You don't need to pay us. So there's some stigmas um, that have to be dealt with. I think in my work and working with the all-party parliamentary group um, for whistleblowing, one of the things we've done is tried to make it and point to Canada, also a Commonwealth country, and say they have also seen fit to pay whistleblowers. They see it more as unemployment insurance. The retaliation protection you get only protects you against that current employee. But what about future blacklisting? That's really what the whistleblower rewards seek to do is to create net present value of a career loss. When you cap, when you put it into those terms, it becomes more culturally acceptable. But um, I always let my British partner do the talking. <laughs> my American accent doesn't help us in this. Mary, uh, Mary, you mentioned the Securities and Exchange Program whistleblower program, which just this month, I believe, hit over $1 billion in whistleblower rewards paid out. Uh, right now is seen, I think, rightly as, as the global standard. But there's an EU whistleblower directive that's going to come into effect in December, which may actually supplant the uh, Securities and Exchange Commission because of the obligations it puts on companies to demonstrate affirmatively there was no retaliation. Are you having those conversations with your clients as well? And do they understand, uh, middle, medieval or not, uh, that the EU approach may take it to a whole new level? Yes, I think that um, one of the things we expect is, as you noted, the EU directive, which is supposed to be transposed into national law by all 27 member states by the end of this year, it's going to create a sea change in terms of the amount of reporting that will be taking place now 
in Europe in all 27 member states. Before this time, I think there were only seven or eight countries that had whistleblower protections. Now there will be a complete safety net across the union. And as you mentioned, the most important piece is that the directive steps way ahead of the United States in shifting the burden of proof for proving retaliation instead of it being the whistleblower that has to say that I was retaliated against because of my speak up. Um, instead, it, the onus shifts to the defendants. And that's really interesting because the challenges we face in the United States is that um, an employer can always come up with, even though you've had great uh, whistleblower will often have terrific performance evaluations and all of a sudden they speak up and uh, the company starts digging through their um, receipts and their, uh, their expense reports or saying, you know what, you've been chronically late your whole career and now we're gonna fire you. So it shifts the burden and I think it'll make it a lot easier for whistleblowers to actually succeed in these cases. So I do think that will be a, uh, a significant difference. Um, but I do feel like, so the EU directive says companies with 50 or more public or private have to have an internal reporting mechanism. Uh, people will get used to speaking up. I'm not sure the culture of speak up has quite caught up with the laws. Um, I think these whistleblower programs will be in place, but as we saw in the, in the United Kingdom with Barclays Bank, um, you can ask um, a company to put in an internal speak up, but in the case of Barclays Bank, the CEO wanted to expose the whistleblower um, and tried multiple times to figure out who the messenger was, which is directly um, controverts the, the fact that anonymous reporting should be allowed under these mechanisms. So we have a ways to go, but it's a huge quantum leap in, in progress in Europe. Mary, I think we said so explicitly, but uh, if we didn't, you practice currently in London and you're attending the Converge 21 event virtually. Uh, we're lucky to have you, uh, but I wanted to maybe uh, close by asking, what are some of the things you hope to get out of the Converge 21 event? So one of the best things for me is the sort of lifelong learning that can happen at, at going to conferences like these. I, um, my hope and the panel that I'm sitting on, I'm really fortunate to have veteran compliance officers. I'm always interested in hearing what the next best practices are in terms of receiving and understanding whistleblowers messages, because honestly, I would love to be put out of business. My clients are um, universally would prefer to stay in their organization and be accepted than going external. So I love to listen to the conferences and to hear sort of the improvements that we've seen in recognizing that whistleblowers are actually soon to be at least not only accepted, but hopefully appreciated. There's one social behavioral scientist I love to quote, his name is Christian Hunt, and he says, we need to see whistleblowers in business terms as forward indicators of risk. So they are your best risk management tool. And instead of seeing them as disloyal, if you can see them as one of your eyes and ears and your best um, employees, then we're gonna go a long way towards that cultural change. So I love to see compliance officers who are a lot like whistleblowers, right? They deliver bad news. Um, and are often underappreciated, their voices, those voices lining up. And so I think the whistleblower's trajectory is often tied to the compliance officer's role. And I think we're seeing a lot of improvement in awareness and appreci more appreciation of whistleblower voices. Well, Mary, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time, but I've been visiting today with Mary Inman, who is uh, on a panel, Whistleblower Programs That Foster Speak Up Cultures. I can't wait for your panel, and I'm greatly looking forward to meeting and seeing you virtually at Converge 21. Thanks, Tom. 
this is Tom Fox again. I hope you'll join Philip and myself at Converge 21. We're going to link to the registration and information in the show notes. It is one of the top compliance and ethics events annually, and I know you will get a lot out of it.